Welcome to First Formation, a weekday podcast for high church lowlifes like me, Logan Isaac, looking to get the fuck up and pray. This is where Pew Pew HQ shares morning prayers for the humble, hearty folk caught in the crosshairs of God and country. A podcast for anyone who cares for soldiers and veterans enough to follow us into the mud and the suck, to hear the good news through grunts and with grunts in the unity of the Holy Spirit as one church forever and ever. Fall in. Psalm 23 The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. She makes me lie down in green pastures. She leads me beside still waters. She restores my soul. She leads me in right paths for her name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord my whole life long. Ezekiel chapter 20, verses 39 through 44. As for you, O house of Israel, thus says the Lord God, Go serve your idols, every one of you, now and hereafter, if you will not listen to me. But my holy name you shall not you shall no more profane with your gifts and your idols. For on my holy mountain, the mountain height of Israel, says the Lord God, there all the house of Israel, all of them, shall serve me in the land. There I will accept them, and there I will require your contributions and the choicest of your gifts, with all your sacred things. As a pleasing odor, I will accept you, when I bring you out from the peoples and gather you out of the countries where you have been scattered, and I will manifest my holiness among you in the sight of the nations. You shall know that I am the Lord when I bring you into the land of Israel, the country that I swore to give give to your ancestors. There you shall remember your ways and all the deeds by which you have polluted yourselves, and you shall loathe yourselves for all the evils that you have committed. And you shall know that I am the Lord when I deal with you for my name's sake, not according to your evil ways or corrupt deeds, O house of Israel, says the Lord God. Revelation chapter 6, verse 1, through chapter 7, verse 4. Then I saw the Lamb open one of the seven seals, and I heard one of the four living creatures call out, as with a voice of thunder, Come! I looked, and there was a white horse. Its rider had a bow. A crown was given to him, and he came out conquering and to conquer. When he opened the second seal, I heard the second living creature call out, Come! And out came another horse, bright red. Its rider was permitted to take peace from the earth, so that people would slaughter one another. And he was given a great sword. When he opened the third seal, I heard the living creature call out, Come! I looked, and there was a black horse. Its rider held a pair of scales in his hand, and I heard what seemed to be a voice in the midst of the four creatures, saying, A quart of wheat for a day's pay, and three quarts of barley for a day's pay, but do not damage the olive oil and the wine. When he opened the fourth seal, I heard the 
the voice of the fourth living creature call out, Come. I looked, and there was a pale green horse. Its rider's name was Death, and Hades followed with him. They were given authority over a fourth of the earth, to kill with sword, famine, pestilence, and by the wild animals of the earth. When he opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slaughtered for the word of God and for the testimony they had given. They cried out with a loud voice, Sovereign Lord, holy and true, how long will it be before you judge and avenge your blood on the inhabitants of the earth? They were each given a white robe and told to rest a little longer until the number would be complete both of their fellow servants and of their brothers and sisters who were soon to be killed as they themselves had been killed. When he opened the sixth seal, I looked, and there came a great earthquake. The sun became black as sackcloth, the full moon became like blood, and the stars of the sky fell to the earth as the fig tree drops its winter fruit when shaken by a gale. The sky vanished like a scroll rolling itself up, and every mountain and island was removed from its place. Then the kings of the earth and the magnates and the generals and the rich and the powerful and everyone, slave and free, hid in the caves among the rocks of the mountains, calling to the mountains and rocks, Fall on us and hide us from the face of the one seated on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of their wrath has come, and who is able to stand? After this I saw four angels standing at the four corners of the earth, holding back the four winds of the earth so that no wind could blow on earth or sea or against any tree. I saw another angel ascending from the rising of the sun, having the seal of the living God, and he called with a loud voice to the four angels who had been given power to, the, to damage earth and sea, saying, Do not damage earth or the sea or the trees until we have marked the servants of our God with a seal on their foreheads. And I heard the number of those who were sealed, 144,000, sealed out of every tribe of the people of Israel. We have a bit of an alibi today, um, and uh, for those of you who haven't heard that word used in that way, an alibi um, was uh, is a term that's used, I remember it used at Fort Bragg, basically an alibi is if you've got leftovers in a plane, the you make another round and the alibis jump. Alibi is, I miss something, uh, here's something to consider as well, and sometimes at the end of um, kind of like leadership huddles, some the, the person leading it will say, are there any alibis? An alibi is, you know, if that's a time reserved for if you've left something out to make sure that it's included and brought up. And this morning, uh, I have an alibi, and that is St. Pacomius of Thebes. Uh, today is the 10th, and uh, yesterday... Uh, the 9th of May, is the feast day for Pacomius of Thebes. And Pacomius is not incredibly well-known in the West, which is unfortunate. Um, he's a little bit more popular in the East. He uh, created a, a monastic order that lasted through the 11th century um, in the Eastern Church. But Pacomius was born in the very late, uh, what is it, 3rd century, um, and his 
his kind of claim to fame is that he started monasteries, but um, there's a lot of backstory to that. And I'm bringing it up uh, on First Formation because uh, Pacomius uh, kind of got his start as a soldier in the Roman army. Um, and there's, uh, um, in the, at the time, what Rome would do is it would recruit... So it used to um, only use Roman citizens for the military because, you know, you can only trust your own, right? But as it grew, they had to recruit from the provinces, and then those recruits would just basically um, serve in that area with the assumption that, well, it's their own hometown and maybe they'll help protect it if they have, you know, food and clothing and maybe they'll pay as soldiers. Um, And so Pacomius was conscripted into the Roman army, and... We don't know what happened, but somehow he lands in jail. And in northern Africa, uh, where Thebes is located, um, the Christians had uh, a reputation for coming uh, to the the jails and prisons and treating the prisoners humanely. In fact, um, very often when you're thrown in jail at the time, you would just be forgotten. You wouldn't be fed. You wouldn't be given water, it's just a place to get rid of you, and you typically would die. And so the Christians would come and provide food and water. And this had a really significant impact on Pacomius. And um, there's a... Um, uh, uh, what Pacomius did while he was in the military is unknown, um, but what we do know is that he spent at least a short while there so you know basic training and when he gets out um he's inspired by these christians who visited him and he's received training from the military and what the military would do is it would go around and it would um occupy abandoned villages and sometimes they they weren't abandoned they would just occupy them and they would, uh, if the location was right and strategically valuable, they would make fortifications. So they would take villages and turn them into outposts for uh, the Roman military. Um, they set up little forts and, you know, assign a unit there, all that fun stuff. And uh, Pacomius, it's very possible that he um, took that to heart and uh, used his military training to set up these monasteries because instead of going around setting up uh, little forts around the Roman provinces, he set up monasteries in these abandoned villages. Um, And before the the rule of St. Benedict um, or really any rule, um, Pacomius set up a a rule of life, uh, a a set of rules uh, that his monks would observe in common life together. Um, and much of it still exists. Uh, there's a three-volume set that describes Pacomius's life, his letters to uh, his monks, back and forth. Um, and Pacomius was incredibly talented at organizing and, um, and leading. By the time of his death, depending on who you, who you listen to, he had anywhere between 7,000 and 9,000 monks Pacomian monks um, by the time he he died. Um, That's no small number at the time. And it's also significant because 
for two reasons. The one is that at least 3,000 of those monks were women, uh, nuns. Um, and the other reason that's significant is that none of them were ordained. So this is very, very early monasticism. It's possibly the very first, um, it's called the Cenobitic monasticism or communal monasticism. The other form is Eremitic, uh, which is like if you're a hermit. So St. Anthony of, of Egypt was very, very popular. Um, he's thought of as the founder of, of monasticism and the aesthetic life. But he went off to the desert alone and he spent his days, you know, fighting the spirit, the demons off in a cave in the desert um, all by himself. Pacomius, around the same time, felt that this monastic thing of going off into the desert to be removed from corrupt urban life, um, he thought that was supposed to be done or should be done or could be done communally. And that maybe because of his um, military training or values, or it could have just been, you know, just a weird Pacomian tick. And he's like, that's great idea, Anthony, but I'm going to, I'm going to kind of raise you 7,000 individuals. Um, and so Pacomius is a soldier saint. Uh, I think there's a good argument to be made that it was his military training and formation that influenced him to setting up and organizing these monasteries and also thinking in terms of community and camaraderie, which the modern military is very good at. Um, it's one of the things that a lot of veterans cite as um, being unfortunate when they leave the military, that this incredibly intense sense of community and kinship with other people is almost impossible to replicate in the civilian world. Um, I, I know friends personally who have re-enlisted after time out of the military because they missed that sense of belonging. Um, and um, in a world that, you know, can be difficult to maneuver given these the, the training that m the military provides and the community that it provides, a lot of these early monastics um, were oftentimes other veterans. So like Francis of Assisi, um, eight of the first 10 Franciscans that began following him were veterans of this war that he fought. Um, I, it'd be really interesting to think of Ignatius of Loyola and the Jesuits and how many of the first of the companions of Jesus were also veterans like uh, Ignatius was. Um, but Pacomius uh, takes the, the cake as the first um, communal monastic, and he's also uh, a soldier saint and pew-pew person uh, whose feast day is actually May 9th. So I hope you all excuse the, <clears throat> the delay, um, but Pacomius is one of those people I, I think that really could use all the attention that they can get. I think I think I covered him in my second book, Forgotten Country in That Order, which you can get at pewpewhq.com. Um, but otherwise, um, he's uh, just one of those people that gets overlooked, but this monasticism has such a rich tradition and history, and it's really awesome to think that that was a veteran that kind of began at least the communal stuff there, there are very few Aramaic uh, monks nowadays, but I'm sure they exist. So uh, I'm sorry, Pacomius. Uh, I'm sure you won't hold it against me. Um, but that um, his feast day was is May 9th. And uh, yeah, we celebrate him yesterday, actually. Oh, God. 
by whose grace your servant Pacomius, kindled with the flame of your love, became a burning and a shining light in your church. Grant that we also may be aflame with the spirit of love and discipline, and walk before you as children of light, through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Thank you for falling into Pew Pew HQ's First Formation, where we share morning prayers for the humble, hardy folk caught in the crosshairs of God and country. If you like what you've heard, I hope you'll consider participating in one of the three following ways. First, you can support this podcast with a monthly contribution at anchor.fm slash firstformation. You can sponsor morning prayer for Pew Pew people with as little as a dollar a month, and you can cancel at any time if I ever piss you off. Second, you can become a co-host yourself by recording a lectionary reading and sending it to me to be included in a weekday episode of your choosing. Instructions for co-hosts can be found in earlier episodes, and you don't have to be a grunt to participate in First Formation in this or any way. Finally, and maybe most importantly, you can send me your prayer requests of a minute or less with a voice message feature on Anchor's iOS or Android apps. Prayers may be added to a morning prayer episode, aired anonymously if you wish, or kept private for me to pray for off-air. So there you have it. Three ways to participate in morning prayers for Pew Pew people. I hope you will continue to listen in and maybe even consider participating yourself. This has been and always will be Logan Isaac. Always faithful, always family. Semper Familia. <laughs>